Here we go. Welcome to the Year of Alignment. Welcome to True Alignment. I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. We're live in the Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University here in Denver, Colorado. Yes, and this is uh, what we proclaim to be the Year of Alignment. because 2023. That's where, that's where all the trends are going. And we're going to have to kind of reach out and grab onto some things and pull some people along. Yeah. That's what it looks like. So we've got a, uh, I thought what we do today, Ken, is uh, say a belated Happy New Year to everybody out there. As we start our second year, we're looking forward to dropping another 40 to 50 uh, episodes of the True Alignment podcast and yeah. hoping that you'll continue to uh, to listen out there and be a part of it. And, and as always, truealignment.com. And you can email us at info at truealignment.com with your questions, thoughts, comments, uh, anything at all, uh, both your uh, positive notes as well as your constructive criticisms <laughs> that you'd like to send our way. So nice. We welcome yes. all of it. Yes, we, yeah, yes, indeed. There's one thing that we've learned to do here, and that is, is, is listen as much as we talk. Yeah. So yeah, the, the key to success, inquiry, listening, curiosity, all the things that make us better human Vulnerability, beings. yeah. Yeah, and what? Vulnerability. Vulnerability, not just speaking, and the listening with vulnerability, openness, and fearless exploration of what, what's being said. Yeah. So, Ken, how are you doing? I, I'm doing okay. Uh, a little bit tired as we move the podcast to the afternoons. It's a different energy in the afternoon for me than it is in the uh than it is in the morning, but I've uh, just power barred up. Power bar. Okay, I've got, I, I'm, I'm like caffeine and tequila. Yeah, the yeah. caffeine probably would uh -huh. have been a good idea. And joining idea. us as always Jim, is uh, Jim James. Just, yeah, James just moved, moved the Jim. lid on his, uh, on his Yeti cup, just as we <laughs> mentioned tequila. Yeah, it may or may not be in there. Don't go near with a flamethrower. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so what we thought we'd do for today is just uh, uh, is uh, have a bit of a conversation, a dialogue around what the what the year looks like for us, and some thoughts and ideas on where on where things are heading, and that'll give us also a little bit of framework for what's to come in the in the year. So thoughts about trends for the coming year. So I mean, let's go if we, if I may, let's go backwards and just grab some stuff and pull forward. Okay. So, so you God, know, you're such a professor. When, oh, that's when right. We, that's what you are. When we started the the podcast last year, yeah, right. You you had you, well. First of all, you thought we'd only do three or four of them. Boy, were you wrong? <laughs> Indeed, I was. <laughs> you screwed very that wrong. one. Very very uh -huh. proud that we did that many episodes last yeah. year. Um, we we were coming. You're we breaking free from the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. breaking free. Well, I, you know, as much and you're not it, one, you're not known to exaggerate very often. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> as as much as possible, like things are lessening up in the pandemic space. Mm -hmm. You have all of this um, post-pandemic influence of people quitting their jobs in that language around the the Great Resignation, right? Um, Amy Edmondson out of Harvard's coming out with a lot of work around psychological safety. Oh, uh, of course. Right, uh, and so we're 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 seeing some some shift in the conversations, oh, yeah, ab about what happened last year, and that really was where a lot of our conversation centered last year. It did here, yeah, because rather than think of it as the great resignation, people just quitting uh, or quiet quitting, uh, we're looking at it as the great alignment as people are exploring and 
taking a look at the transitions that they want to engage in in their lives. And and very, what I would say is a lot of people I'm, I'm having conversations with about it are optimistic. There's a, you know, when you think about a resignation, typically, or you're leaving something, um, yeah, it's the quitting part of it, but it's also the looking ahead. Yeah. You know, you're creating an ending to move to a new beginning. Yeah. And so that idea, and what do those new beginnings look like? Well, that was the shakeup, right? I mean, people, yep. people, people were looking for new beginnings. They just didn't quite know what they were when they left, which was, which was different than we had experienced before that. Yeah, and I and I do think that uh, that at this point of uh, we can, I think we can safely say that we're in this age of awareness, everybody pondering where we're going. Uh, I'm looking forward to this year. Then, as we move from last year to this year, needs <laughs> to take a look at what's happened societally, and politics with Santos and all of this. I mean, how much bullshit are people willing to put up with? Well, uh, the Santos apparently. Oh, I'm sorry. Apparently, much, a lot. How much mistruth are people in there? But it seems to be rolling and rolling. At some point, it's got to hit the wall. Well, and you, I, know, you know, I mean, that, know, there's a shaking loose that's got to happen here sooner or later. I, and I, I think it's happening in business. Yeah. I think the great the great alignment is really about people questioning trust in their situation and beginning to take more and more control over it, and making some decisions and making some choices about where they really want to be in life. Yeah, that that idea of, of of trust and some integrity in relationship, right? I mean, and we we talk about it. You know, a business is a relationship. A business has a relationship yeah. with its customers. It has relationships with its employees. Yeah. Um, when people when when you ask somebody what's the success of your business based on, I go, well, we have great relationships. It's like, duh. Of course, it's all about those relationships. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we spend so much time talking about where value gets created by a business. And, you know, we can't help ourselves to always go to bottom line numbers and revenue numbers. Yeah. The, the reality is value gets created by those intersections and relationships that you have, and they feed back to you. Yeah, and that's always going to be the experience. It always is, because anytime you're looking at your key performance indicators and your financials and everything comes back to what's what really is the trust in the relationships about and how are people engaged and how how much are they willing to commit to and contribute to 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 shared success? It's always what it comes down to. Well, and this is the I have friends and colleagues in the in the venture space, and this is one thing that I think venture has struggled to do is you you look at founders and you figure out if you're going to believe, but you it's a wild card whether or not they can develop those relationships and develop that trust, right? I mean, as the as the film about Theranos founder comes out. Right. I mean, isn't that a, a wonderfully, a wonderfully dramatic um, ball of fire going down? <laughs> right. Because yeah. it was it was constantly gripping for. Oh, I think of it as a different kind of show. <laughs> constantly gripping for some traction in that trust and relationship um, and then having to do having to wiggle so far away from the truth that it yeah. gets lost. And then you you bring up the subject of safety in the workplace. This is, I think, one of the true trends beyond trend. I think this is a long-term outlook that we're seeing uh, around employee well-being. And so now the, conf- the conversation is what is a culture of well-being? And so we start seeing more and more of this element of what is safety, what is trust, what is the integrity of communication and of experience look like? 
Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great point. Well, back, you know, I, Edgar, I always, always come back to those, that important point is, you know, people want to be seen. You can do this multiple ways, okay. <laughs> right? Um, but your employees, yes, your employee well-being, your employees want to be seen. Yeah. They want to know that they matter. Uh, you know, I personally have left, have left roles because the, the feeling of being a cog in the machine is not, I didn't matter. It didn't matter in that equation. Oh. Yeah, we all like to think that we matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's the book of three. I'm going to be chiming in on the book of three. Uh, okay. Know, going back to uh, uh, two, two fundamentally two moments in my life that early on that I recognized the book of three uh, as, of course, you know, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, and you know everything's in threes. And Sting, right, yeah. Sting says, you know, relationships come alive when there's a third. And what makes love songs and love really work is the tension that there's always going to be a third. There's the two lovers and yeah. the third influence, right? And then Bob Dylan says that everything boils down to threes, and that's what makes music as great as it is, and the 12-bar blues and all that good stuff. And so... I'm going to keep moving on and on, on continuing to write my, my uh, book of threes. And so uh, the threes, right? Here's a couple. Um, assess, align, and act. So assess where you are, create alignment, figure out what alignment looks like, and then act on it and move forward to it. So those are three. What do all employees want? Three things. Three things. They want to be seen. They want to feel included. They want to, they want to feel significant. And this goes to the to the idea of, just simple motivation. Everyone wants to succeed, and everyone wants the truth. Yeah, They want to be able to trust in what they're being told, what they're being shown. They want the truth. And so you start thinking about safety. If you're looking for a guide to employee safety, there it is. There it is. To be heard, to be acknowledged, to help, to help success and, and to feel good about success, and last but not least, open and honest communication. Yeah. Three is the magic number, you know. I so Jim. There's three of us here too. I think. Oh, I just want to recognize that sitting at the table. Yes, we we have three <laughs> microphones. We have three pens. Oh no, yeah. We're gonna have to. Yeah, we have to figure out how to do this. I I miss listening to the skinny over over the short break <laughs> we took, but you have to uh, figure out what we would need to do to like randomly insert music as as Edgar's throwing out his uh, drop in the musical knowledge there. But uh -huh. um, along with your movie references, boy, I'm, I'm looking forward to the movie references this year. I was trying to figure out the three movie reference. I got nothing yet though. <laughs> it might, it'll come screaming in when we're on a different topic completely. Let's hope it doesn't scream too loud. But uh, Edgar, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Do you need a little bit of that tension that comes from, from the third thing? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's much like if you look at uh, just, uh, where we're going in life, uh, right? Or that third thing is, that's the tension, the conflict. So uh, current state, future desired state, what's in between? And yep. what, is that, what creates that tension? Sometimes it's just as simple as I'm motivated because I want something, I desire something. And that creates that forward motion. Maybe it's something I see getting in the way of my getting there. Whatever it is, that's that third so yeah. it's always present state, future desired state, and then being in the here and now, what's the tension that's there? And I think that that's really the element of awareness that we talk about, you know, the holy grail of leadership, self-knowledge, self-awareness, in the moment to understand who I am and what it is that I'm seeking and what energy is there, what motivation is there. That's uh, just 
you know, you get that as a leader, you're on the right track. So again, some elegant simplicity, right, in in that model. I mean, we just spent we just spent time with a group. I'm um, talking about what the desired future state was. Yes, but they wiggle, right? I mean, <laughs> it gets so far afield sometimes, and you know, bringing them back to this. But you said that was the thing. Yeah. Um, so you can identify that thing that's in the middle that creates that tension. Yeah, uh, it's much like um, we look at the numbers and the money matters. Okay, <laughs> good, right? Uh, yeah. Well, what makes what makes the what makes it happen? Well, what happens is the what makes it happen is the tension between where we are and where we want to go, and in business, that's always delivering to the customer first and foremost. That's it. If you can't deliver, you can have a great product or service. Uh, if you don't have a customer, you got nada, right? Yeah. So there you go. It's it's really interesting. Um, you know, the thing that came randomly screaming to my head here was how I'm going to work in the price of eggs. Hey, does it hurt when I, does it hurt when you scream? <laughs> yes. And yes. I, and somehow I had a fundamental sense here that you were going to talk about freaking eggs. <laughs> freaking eggs economics. I, there's something in there. Eggsonomics. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Economics. Well, that's probably been done. Well, you know, we have all this conversation. If not, you get credit right thank now. You, thank economics. you. Economics. Right, trade, you heard it that, here first. The copyright Ken, on it. Let's Ken go. Sagan, Dr. Let's Ken Sagan does economics. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about, for those of you listening out there, I'm not going to say anything about his bald head. Not a word. I'm not even going to mention it. The, um, you know, we have so much conversation about, about the economy. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, and I have a... I have a 18-year-old, you know, freshman in college who talks about the, you know, money is fake, the economy is is fake. Um, it's you know, it's bad that she's so jaded at <laughs> this. In other words, she's saying it's age. all a bunch of lies. It's well, I mean, true. I think that's the thing is she's asking, "Where's the truth on this one?" Oh yeah. And, and when she understands that there's, you know, money is merely a, a promise in something we do, that you know, this week eggs can cost five dollars and next week they can cost eight dollars, like. That's really hard to look at and understand. Yeah, it is. But when we when we talk about the economy in that way, that's so mobile, and and you know we were talking a little bit earlier before we got on the air about all the jobs that have been gained in the American economy, um, giant layoffs in the tech sector, like there's mass movements of human being situations. But when we talk about the economy, it seems like a very tightly held logical thing that we almost accept right one of my favorite uh one of my favorite um, yeah we want structure we want predictability well but we want to, we want to understand it but when we think about business as merely influenced by economic factors which by the way this is the thing i say to my daughter all the time it drives her crazy what do we know about economics it's based on human beings as rational actors yes um that assumption must be met for economics to work. And, and I think that, you know, we're, we're struggling. When we think of a business, we think of a business that's affected by the economy, like, like the dairy farmers and eggs, right? Milk and eggs. We watch the prices of those commodities. We think of, we think of businesses as com- always commodity-based businesses. Most businesses are not commodity-based businesses. So they're influenced slightly different by human beings. Yes. Yeah, and even commodities, I mean, okay, I, we can drill into this pretty far. But the bottom line is when something becomes no longer needed or necessary or wanted, it's gone. You know, you, you, can't, you can't sell it anymore. And um, 
Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, I'm thinking about like construction and how construction is evolving into technology construction and and um, how far behind, you know, certain yeah, sectors are. Totally, yeah. right. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you can see that happen in so many different industries. And now, of course, you know, a big push. I thought the, the looking at uh, the whole electric car market, you know, that here the uh, sales and product, product, production of uh, electric vehicles are, are going up, and then you realize that last year, oh, there's some big numbers here, you know, it's still less than a million. Then, oh, boy, somebody tells you, well, you know, that's less than, it's well less than 10% of the automobile market. What is it, like 6% now that are electric vehicles? And you'd think it would be more with all the attention on it. And then, and then uh, I I, uh, I caught this piece where uh, an automobile expert was uh, was being interviewed, and uh, he uh, absolute absolute brilliance. Don't laugh at this too much. He said, "Well, when people demand more of them, then they'll they'll be selling more of them." Well, it, right. I mean, they tried to policy this in when they wanted to do the the fuel yeah. efficiencies yeah. of of motors and engines. And a conversation has been going going on for over a decade. Well, they're still trying to policy it in, right? With the rule in uh, yeah. California about uh, only electric vehicles by what date? I forget. Um, and then Colorado's got a version of that coming on online here very shortly. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't. Um, as we talk about, uh, you talked about construction and how kind of housing. Housing especially moves on that tail whip model. If you if you Google like images of chaos theory, it's that it's that pendulum with the pivot in the middle. Yeah. So that it moves all different kinds of ways, and and I think that you know, chaos theory belongs in some of this conversation over the last couple of years, and I think that's why we think twenty twenty three is going to be this year of alignment, right? Uh-huh. Be- because some of the chaos is going to come home to roost, so to speak. Okay, so uh, movie reference, here it goes. So, I, like I said, it came flying in. I don't know if you've seen this one, Edgar and Jim. Did you see uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? No, not yet. Ah, so, right, I mean, it's, it's multi... Um, to me, that sounds like having a family. <laughs> almost, almost like eight is enough back in the day, right? Okay, yeah. Big family, everything's going everywhere, <laughs> all at once. So um, in that movie, it's, it, it's crossing dimensions. And, and the woman, the, the lead actress, just, just won a, uh, uh, a Golden Globe, and I forget her name. I should know her name. Um, I'll look it up here in a minute. Jamie Lee Curtis played an almost unrecognizable character in, in that movie. But all the, all the intersections of decisions in her life were, were across the dimensions coming to bear. And she's trying to figure out what was going on. I mean, that's that she's trying to figure out relationship with her daughter, um, relationship with her husband, um, her father. I mean, all of those relationships, and she was trying to figure out all of those things at once. And I think that that is uh, that is how life can be experienced mm-hmm. when you're constantly trying to figure out what truth is, where the lies are coming, and and business is such an influence on our lives here. It is, and then at a very personal level, when you're looking at it through that lens, and you you say, "Well, uh, how do I how do I align my life? How do I design my ideal life? Right? How to life design, and and how do you go about doing that? And that correlates directly to the idea of the of, of the uh, fifth level of design, which is through awareness, awareness, 
And so who am I in relationship to all this and all these different, you know, quote unquote dimensions, you know, where am I in it? And what kind of an awareness do I have? And then what, what do I do with that? And that's, that to me is where the core of the great alignment is, is how each of us as an individual see ourselves within the context that we're in. And then we're able to make really good choices based on awareness of who we are and who we really want to be. You know, the so, being part of it. How yeah. do I be? So Edgar, is it, is it the next revolution? I, right? I mean, you have the... Tricky, tricky term. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I, I wonder, um, I wonder if it's really the, the kind of, you know, you talk about the age of awareness, if this, I mean, we've had other ages of, of awareness, right? Yeah, what we want to do, by the way, before you go forward, Meg Wheatley, if you're out there and you hear this, I'd like you to, uh, here's an invitation to join us, because wouldn't it be fun to look at uh, personal alignment in the midst of all chaos? She'd be a good resource for that one. Yeah, she would. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying. I don't remember what I was saying now. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the moment. The age of awareness. I mean, this idea of is it going to be a revolution? Is 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 um, the year of alignment really the next revolution? Well, I tell you, if if uh, if if uh, awareness is an ongoing process throughout our entire lives, right? I I think that's what we're after. Our life is pursuit of, of um, self-acceptance of the true me. So if you look at it through that lens, then the pursuit of awareness is, is an ongoing. So I'm not sure if it's, uh, if it's a, a revolution. Um, that's a kind of an interesting way to look at it. But I do think that at the forefront of everything that's happening here is this idea of how we as, as, as human beings better align to who we really want to be. Uh, individually and collectively. And I think that collective is a really important one. Bec much like in, in an organizational context, when you and I work with a team of executives, we have this conversation about what does alignment look like? And until we create the dialogue, until we create the dialogue, it really doesn't, it doesn't, we, we don't move, they don't move the needle. So for us to be able to engage in, in greater forms of dialogue, the most important is the one, you know, conversation I have with self and then, what's the conversation with others look like? Can you so, have alignment without dialogue? Self-talk is a form of dialogue. Agreed. Yeah. Then, uh, I yeah, it's a thought process. Uh, so uh, my answer: Can you have alignment without dialogue? No. I mean, things happen naturally. We all we all want to breathe air, right? Sure. Uh, I think in terms of as sophisticated as we are, and we've become as human beings, and as sophisticated of a context that we've created societally. Yeah, absolutely. It, it requires a dialogue at some level. Yeah. Talk to me more, Edgar. You talked about the connection between individual and collective alignment. You know, in an organization, this is, um, right, I think this is a little bit of the conflict going on right now between this state and the desired future state. So um, you have a lot of, I need, I need X and Y. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we just talked to, to an organization and they talked about how do we move from the, the I to the we language. We, and that's not the first time we've ever heard that one, right? We hear it a lot. Yeah. Um, but can you, does a collection of individual alignments equal a collective alignment? Oh, in, in the context of a business and what our purpose is, 
yeah, I, th- I think that everyone individually needs to take on some sense of alignment to the, to the purpose and, the, and what's embedded passionately in the organization. So is that, a, is that a source of conflict where, yeah, I mean, so, you know, this is the, we're all here for the, for the mission. We, we believe in the, in the vision of where we're going as an organization. So your individual wow. alignment is born out of the collective. Yeah. And I think that's why you, you, you hear the language of buy-in. We're not completely committed to it. So we're going to buy-in. Uh, you know, we, 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 you know, this, we, we have this conversation with leaders a lot. It's like, are you really I committed? When I want. Are you really committed or aren't you? Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, are you committed to this relationship or aren't you? Is really what it boils down to. You know, my, you and know, my very poor, is. poor joke here, right? Uh, I, yeah. I owe this one to my friend Steve Jones, the the breakfast joke in a ham and egg breakfast. One animal's committed and one's involved. Yes, that one's always got to sit a little bit for people to figure out which one's committed. But be the pig, Edgar. Be the pig, right? <laughs> You want to be committed. No, but every time I think about that, I think about some Australian guy who talked about barnacles on a boat and some <laughs> some motivation uh, video that I saw years and years ago uh, that you know tells the story of the cow and the and the, and I think it was the cow and the pig or yeah you know did you I, this is a completely and utterly that's why, that's why I like chickens so much a random left turn I love here the, I love the hens did you um, did you directly work with the the prime minister of New Zealand who no. just resigned no. God, I would have loved to meet her. So, right? I mean, this is because I know you had done a lot of work um, yeah, with their with, government. Yeah, the trade and enterprise and global economic expansion. The, um, oh man, I would have loved to, to meet her. I mean, wow. And then that kind of just pure, uh, uh, you know, call it authenticity, call it truth. She just says, look, I, uh, you know, this is just a matter of energy and commitment. And, Really, in a way, I heard that as uh, I I don't see myself uh, as having the energy to be as committed and to do the work that I've done over the last five and a half years. I, I mean, my hat's off to her. I mean, what a tremendous approach to to reality and yeah. calling it for what it is. I'm I'm trying to figure out uh, what I what came to my mind and if I should say it on the air, but I, I will say this. We talk about models for great communication as leaders. Here's my intention. And, and with vulnerability, here's my concern or my fear that I have in sharing this truth with you. Yeah. And she just stepped right into it. She said, yeah, my concern is how this is going to be heard. How will I, how will I be perceived? And there was no hiding behind it. Yeah. It was just right there front and center. That's just great stuff. Well, and it's a contrast to some of the work we do or we talk to a lot of people in the organization and, and you, they release, they release and they share some of that stuff personally. It doesn't come out in the group. Right. I mean, and I, I, yeah, I mean, to her credit, when I watched that, I was like, whoa, she set it up. I mean, and I, what came screaming to my head is how many professional athletes, if they had said that at one particular time, you would accept a decline in performance, but yeah. They want to keep playing, and they've never admitted that I may not be physically or mentally capable of, of this level of play yeah. any longer. I maybe I would have just played three quarters instead of the whole game. Exactly right. Yeah. Or you and you see this a lot. I, I that's one of the things that I see so often play out on a soccer pitch is that you know players will come off when they've had enough, and and as they age. They know what their limitations are, and they find a new role within the construct of the whole. And those that try and hang on too much to that, well, 
You know, they wind up taking a lot of money in Saudi Arabia, I guess. But the, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. The, uh, Beautiful new fields. <laughs> Beautiful new pitches. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. I, and um, so this, uh, this idea of being able to be, um, and you're right, because we have a lot of conversations in our coaching relationships with CEOs and leaders. A lot of times the conversations are, how are you going to communicate this to the world? We're having this conversation here. Now let's have this conversation about how you communicate to your people, to your audience, to, 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 your, to your constituency, your, your, your employees, your world. So, Edgar, if you had the opportunity, um, this, you know, this, it's always important, this idea of setting intention. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say here in the, uh, in the year of alignment, what would you say to a, a CEO, a business leader um, about setting their intention? Um, if you want to think of, there's different ways to come at it. So I'll pick one that I think right now is key to success. And that is to look at what, what is the definition of well-being? What is the definition of, of, um, yeah, what's the definition of well-being and trust in your relationships to focus on that? So, what does it feel? What does psychological safety feel like to your customer that's trusting in your product or service? What does psychological safety to your employees mean? What does psychological safety to your community mean? Uh, and and look at it through that lens, uh, because in the end, as you mentioned before, that's business. It's human to human. That's business. Yeah, safety, integrity, and trust in all of those places where you have different. Um, Different stakeholders. Yeah, I, I mean that. That's that's a huge thing. And I, and I can see. I you can see this evolve. You can see it happening. It's just a matter of how conscious we are of the need for it. Uh, one of one of the pieces of evidence is how how much emphasis there is now on on experience officers, chief experience officer, chief employee. You know, looking at it through the lens of how do you align the the CX and EX. A customer experience and employee experience, and what does that kind of alignment look like? And really, what we're talking about is what does trust look like? Yeah, that's consistent and constant through those relationships. So we're seeing that more and more, and you're saying we need even more of it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a it's an acute thing right now that people ought to be paying attention to. That will pay dividends for your for your business because it pays dividends for your people. Yeah. Um. So your cust- people your involved. customers feel that yeah. directly, right? So um. So we're seeing this position created in some organizations. What's what's successful for that, um, for that for that role? When you see when you see success in that in that role, the the chief experience officer. I, people are calling it all different things. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think it, it's contextual. So in a big business, it's whether that person really, uh, you know, even chief people officer. If those people have a seat at the table, and you know, at the C-suite or, you know, the leadership team, um, how much of a influence and role do they have, do they hold, and how well are they um, really seen? And this is the struggle with, uh, historically, with human resource professionals. Um, how much are they seen as strategists and not just uh, mechanics that deal with yeah. the administration of human resources? We just moved rather, the- yeah. Strategic, right? We just moved a human resource master's degree. We're going to eliminate it. We're moving it inside the MBA for this very reason, is they are a strategic partner 
for the success of an organization. It's a great not, move. Not merely a compliance um, yeah. organization. Yeah, and we're going to run. We're going to run in April. We're going to run our full week um, true alignment for practitioner program that goes through alignment that looks at culture does some deep dives into strategic thinking and alignment to brand and what does employee and customer experience alignment look like and all those pieces. So I think that's that's one. And then and the reason I say it's contextual in, in middle-sized companies, that evolving role of not just having a human resource person, but that human resource person is, is um, trained, developed, and is seen as somebody that can develop into a strategic partner yeah. in the organization. And then with small businesses, uh, I, it's up to the, to the leader, to the owner, to the operator of the small business to, play that role. Th- to really be that aware yep. and to realize that in everything they do, um, they are out front and they are the role models and reinforces of the kind of behavior that, that and what alignment looks like. So they're not just saying something, they're actually doing it. So I'll make a statement. I mean it as a question, so I'll try and raise my voice at the end of the sentence, okay? Um, So a lot of organizations rely on accomplishing this through um, the the leadership model that's akin to trickle-down economics, right? The C-suite tells the, the manager, the manager tells their employees, and it goes all the way down through the organization. The leader expects that it's going to work that way. Right. So here, we, yeah, and I'm going to just jump in a little bit here because this is co-creation 101 at work. If you're going to design this through your organization, you need to involve the people, much like co-design of a product or service with your customer and inviting them in, uh, the same thing has to happen through organizations. You have to be able to invite people to the conversation of what alignment looks like, uh, what's working for them, what's not working for them, you know, asking that wonderful design question of, Oh, if, if, imagine the if, imagine if this looked, right, what does it look like? And then what do we need to get there? What's missing? And, and how do we design that? And it's, it's the age old problem in organizations and in hierarchies. And, and I can't help but come back to this idea of that. If you're really going to create an aligned organization, you, you need to have people involved in the design of that and what it looks like and be able to have those real conversations. And those real conversations then wind up being strategies. That's something you can wrap around and you can connect to key performance indicators. You can see it because of how your organization is going to perform. Yeah. So in a way you're saying, Edgar, the strategy doesn't get, doesn't get told to people. It gets created by people. Bingo. So, um, I, you know, I'm going to throw That's big on right there, by the way. That's really big. <laughs> for the... For the listeners at home. Just think how often in organizations, we, you know, we have leadership teams that say, here's the strategy, and then you could do that, and people look, is that really possible? Is that really? And, and so you got to be able to fill in the blanks and understand what that looks like. So many of the organizations we're spending time with, we talk about um, ways of proceeding and, and ways, of, ways of being as an organization and the people in the organization. I'm going to, for the listeners at home, I'm going to put on my devil's... Uh, the devil's horns uh, headband here. Well, you know, home for a lot of people is that work. So yes. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> but, um, you know, Edgar, that's harder. In an organization, doing it that way, it takes more time. Yeah. It's more difficult than if I just sit in my I'm, office and tell I'm you. I've seen a lot of stuff on courage <laughs> popping up all over the place. <laughs> Leaders now need to have courage, right? 
Uh, come on. What we're really doing is we're asking leaders to to uh, look at their own fears, their own, their own um, what's holding them back, and be able to step into it, step into some difficult conversations. Hey, you know what makes a lot of conversations difficult? Because <laughs> you realize you're going to hear something that you may not want to hear. Yeah. I, you know, personally, I just, I thrive on that. I was just I was in, a, in a meeting with a colleague that I really struggle with, and it, it just came came to me that what I wanted from that colleague is I wanted her to stand up in the meeting and go, screw you, Ken. <laughs> I just wanted some fight. Like, I wanted some fight. Because I, I, ah, I didn't want the passiveness. I didn't want the, well, we've always done it this way. Right? I just wanted the, I don't know what the future is going to look like for her, for her part of the organization. She needs to figure it out. Yeah. But I need her to, I want her to be confident in it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a confidence. Uh, there's just a simplicity also that none of us really know what's, what's going to happen next. Yeah. And that the most significant events or, uh, events in, in life are unforeseen. That's the way it works. That's certainly to be able to have, to create an, an open and honest dialogue about it. That's necessary. That that would always be necessary. And if we're not able to do that, then we can't confront where the real problems lie. Speaking of lie or even where the truths and the lies, you know, where they, where they take up residence. Yeah. The, uh, my sister-in-law suggested a show that my wife and I watch. I don't know if either one of you guys have, have tuned into this one yet. Righteous Gemstones. Have you seen this one? I haven't heard that one. Like I had no yeah. idea from the title what, what it was about, but it is about. <laughs> I, I'm just looking at Jim here and I'm saying to myself, yeah, he doesn't wear a lot of jewelry. So <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen over here. That's a job was, hazard. I'm well, waiting for you to come in with the Western cut, uh, you know, sport coat with the rhinestones. It is, it is Western Stock Week. Oh, it is? It is. Yeah. Week, three weeks. Um you know, we could go be sporting the cowboy hats right now. So Righteous Gemstones, here's what it is. It's about a mega church leader. Oh, yeah. Um, go ahead. John Goodman plays the the mega church leader, and he's got his his kids are, you know, running this church. It's it's a house of cards of lies, right? I mean, it's just all lies, in, but, you know, with a religious overtone to it so that, you know, it's all the, um, you know, it's, it is the opposite of everything we're talking about here today. <laughs> the opposite, right? Well, it's going to be an interesting dialogue for the remainder of the year. So yeah. there you go. I guess we're off to a good start. Hey, so a couple of things that we really ought to touch on here is that, um, uh, again, all questions, thoughts, comments from listeners are welcome. Here's another one that we offered last year. We're offering into this year. If you're listening and you want to participate in this dialogue, let us know. Let us know, and we'll get you on the schedule, and you can join us here. Yeah, um, we're not that fun to hang out with, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll have fun, and, and Jim will bring more tequila than just his cup full. Yeah. I guess I can share. Yeah. So. That's good of you. All righty. So any last thoughts, Jim? Uh Ken, anything? Uh, give us a prediction, right? I mean, at the end of the year, people always are, are prognosticating, prognosticating what's going to happen. So it's, it's the year of alignment. At the end of 2023, fill in the blank. 
our listeners will be more aligned. How's that for a way out? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That'll work. That'll work. <laughs> if we can achieve that, we've done something. All right. Right? You sounds good. I'm yeah. Ken Sagendorf. I'm Edgar Papke. Thanks for joining us on the True Alignment Podcast. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time around. Thanks, Jim. First of 2023. All right. See you in a week. Mm-hmm.